The Medallion, Chapter 1 Kate stopped with one hand on the cellar doors. If Corvin caught her inside his workshop, he would be furious. But she couldn't turn away. Ever since waking up in the Fenwood Hospital with no memory of how she had been injured, Kate had been drawn back to the cellar. Whenever she passed by the outside ramp leading down to Corvin's workshop, the star-shaped scar in the center of her palm would throb. More than once, Kate had asked Corvin if she received the strange seven-pointed mark from a hot piece of metal in the workshop, but he kept insisting that her injury was from being lost in the coal mine. Normally, the cellar doors would be locked from inside, and Corvin would use the kitchen dumbwaiter to pull himself out of the cellar after securing the door from inside with a heavy wooden bolt. But this time the bolt was not across the crack. Kate pushed one of the doors open, took a deep breath, and slipped inside. The shaft of sunlight cut the room neatly in half and fell on the doors of the Dunwaiter shaft that connected the cellar to the kitchen above. Kate waited for her eyes to adjust to the dim light before heading to the stone workbench. Every day Corvin would shake the whole house as he pounded away down here. But there were only a few scattered tools, none of which was heavy enough to explain the deep noise Kate and Corvin's mother were hearing upstairs. Kate examined the wrenches and screwdrivers hanging on the wall, but none of the tips looked anything like her burn. Turning around, she looked over the table in the center of the room to the rows of shelves on the north side of the cellar. Various pieces of metalwork Corvin's father had created were lined up on the shelves. Maybe her hand had been burnt by one of those. As she passed by the table, a momentary pulse warmed the scar in her hand. She stopped and looked down at a miner's headlamp and an old wooden crate. Her palm prickled in anticipation as her fingers caressed the worn handle of the wooden box. A rush of heat passed through the scar, up her arm and into her chest. The air around her grew close and hot. An oilskin raincoat lay inside the box. Kate touched the smooth fabric and a memory came rushing back. Corvin's father wore this coat when he carried her out of the mine. Was the warmth she felt in her hand a connection to the person who had saved her life? She slipped her hand under the folds of the coat. A finger brushed something solid and a green glow pierced the thick cloth, a glow in the shape of a seven-sided star. The cellar doors flew open, light poured into the room, washing away the soft glow as Corvin strode toward her, the fierce look on his face backing Kate away from the table. What are you doing in here? Nira asked me to bring her groceries up so she can be ready for the Halloween kids. He frowned and Kate bit her lip. Corvin did not like her using his mother's first name, even though his mother asked her to and wanted to spend time talking with her. The death of Corvin's father had affected all three of them, but Kate was caught between Nira's desire to talk about her husband and Corvin's unwillingness to talk at all. Corvin dropped the paper bag on the table, removed the sunglasses from his eyes, and squinted against the dim light in the cellar. Kate pointed at the bag. I can take those upstairs for you. Did Miss Barron give you any free Halloween chocolate? I never asked. I'm not a kid anymore. Her smile faded. I never said you were. And as I told you before, I don't let anyone in my workshop. This is my room, yours is upstairs. Corvin circled the table as if to drive her away, but Kate stepped over in front of the bank of shelves. She didn't want to leave the cellar until she could see what was under his dad's raincoat. Picking up a bent piece of metal off a shelf, she held it up toward the light from the doors. Are these what you're banging on down here all the time? Corvin grabbed the metal from her hand and stuck it back on the shelf. 
Those belong to my dad. I don't work with metal. I'm a coal miner now. Kate nodded. After the accident, the Red Creek Mine helped Corvin's mom out by giving Corvin a position at the mine. At that time, she also asked Kate to live at their house until Kate could find a place of her own. Kate hoped this might give her more time with Corvin, but instead he gave up his room and moved into the cellar. Sometimes it sounds like you're trying to dig a tunnel to China down here. Kate smiled, but only received an intense frown from Corvin in return. What I do down here is my own business. Since when did you start keeping secrets from me? Kate glanced at the box on the table. I thought we were friends. Everyone has secrets, even you. No, I don't. How about the gifts your dad sent you? You told everyone at school that your pink pencil case was a birthday present from him. But I saw you in the city when you bought it. You made up that story so everyone would think your dad is rich. Kate stared at him. It was true. She had bought things for herself whenever she saved up enough money, but not to prove her father was rich. She just wanted others to believe that someone actually cared about her. Tears filled her eyes and she let her gaze fall to the floor. Corvin drew closer. I'm sorry, Kate. I'm not feeling great today and the sunlight makes my head hurt. Kate looked into his eyes. The kindness from when she woke up in the hospital shone briefly through, but he was working to keep his feelings in check. Back then he had sat for hours by her hospital bed holding her hand. Why was he having such a hard time liking her now? He put a hand on her shoulder. Kate, I need to tell you... Footsteps on the ramp leading into the cellar cut him off. Corvin quickly let go of her and turned away. A long shadow fell into the room as Corvin's mother entered. Kalian, I need those groceries right away. I sent... Oh, hello, Kate. I didn't know you were down here. Kate saw the embarrassment rise on Corvin's face. After moving into their home, Kate discovered Corvin's mother would call him Kalian, and she told Kate the name meant precious one. But Corvin didn't want his mother to use that name when anyone else was around. Nira picked up the grocery bag, and Kate marveled again how someone so tall had ended up with a son so short. I almost forgot to tell you, I also need more salt. Corvin's shoulders sagged and his mother smiled. Don't worry. I won't send you back. I can pick some up on my way out of town. She looked at her son. But I do need to talk to you before I go. Kate caught the urgency in her voice and watched the irritation tighten across Corvin's face. Another argument about Corvin's job at the mine was inevitable and Kate did not want to be in the same room with them. The money Corvin brought home was paying the bills, but Nira spent every shift worrying about her son's safety. Giving Corvin a sympathetic glance, Kate headed for the cellar doors. Nira stepped into her path and held out the paper bag. Can you put this on the table upstairs? I finished baking the bread, so feel free to help yourself. Kate took the bag and trotted up the ramp outside the cellar. Family arguments always brought back the unhappiness of her childhood. At least Corbin's mom held their family together in a difficult time and didn't just run away. As she slid the paper sack onto the kitchen table, the aroma of the fresh bread laid out in neat rows made her stomach rumble. Too bad the rest would be going to the farmer's market in the city. Kate cut herself a thick slice and took a bite. Nira's voice rose into the kitchen through the dumbwaiter shaft. There is no future for you in the mine. You need to go back to school. There's no future for me at that school either. And besides, we need the money. The anger rose in Corvin's voice. Then you should find a job in Fenwood. I won't work in the city. I hate the lights. I belong underground, just like Dad. 
I won't let you throw your life away in a coal mine. Corvin mumbled something Kate didn't catch. I'm sorry this weekend you have to stay at the mine, but I will not let the neighbors start talking about you and Kate being out here by yourselves. The irritation in Corvin's voice came through clearly. There are things I need to do here this weekend. Can't you find someone else to take Kate? Why did you insist she live with us? Because her mother ran off with her new boyfriend only days after you and Kate went missing. She has no family left. Well, she's not part of ours. The words cut into Kate's heart and brought fresh tears to her eyes. Corvin's mother spoke again. I hope you're not blaming Kate for your father's death. He didn't go back only because she got hurt in the mine. The boss at the mine had told him to finish sealing up that shaft, but he insisted he needed to wait until you and Kate returned. Kate winced. The nurses at the hospital told her Corvin and his father brought her in from the Red Creek mine after she was struck on her head by falling rock. That very night, Corvin's father went back up to seal that section of the mine she'd been found in, and the mine shaft collapsed around him. The voices below fell silent, and then the cellar doors banged shut. Corvin's mother passed the kitchen window, wiping tears from her eyes. Kate sprinted up the stairs and quietly shut herself inside Corvin's old bedroom. Outside, the setting sun was lighting up the ring of rocks around the top of the hill with its soft autumn glow. The Castle Rocks, as she and Corvin liked to call them, was their favorite place to play when they were younger. Now their special place lay ignored as Corvin either worked at the mine or thumped away in the cellar. There had been a few times when Kate had seen him go out to the Castle Rocks long after midnight, slowly unwinding a ball of twine he tied off to the porch below. He would head out to the western slope of the hill, counting knots in the string as he walked along. The last time, as he wound the knotted cord back up, she could see his discouragement as he shuffled along. She rapped on the window and waved, but he vanished into the shadows at the base of the house to finish winding up his twine. Seeing that knotted line slip out of sight was like watching a lifeline being pulled away, leaving her drowning in solitude. A muted thump from the cellar shook the bed frame. Another series of tremors tickled the tips of her toes and she flattened her feet against the worn wooden planks. Corvin had returned to his project, and shortly before midnight his ride would arrive and he would be leaving for the weekend and locking up the cellar. She had to find some way to see what was under that raincoat. <laughs>